Hello and welcome back to the Y Comics Podcast, where we talk to the comics. <laughs> okay, this is this is probably going to edit out. I don't know. I'll like just leave it in because it's stupid. I write out all my intros. Audience, if you're hearing this, I write out all my intros, and I totally re- messed up writing this one. Hello and welcome back to the Wide Comics Podcast, where I talk about the comics that impact us and some of the creators that create them. Um, I'm your host, Jesse, and with me today is the wonderful co-creator and writer of Witch Blood at Vault and Good Luck at Boom Studios. And so many, so many more books that I just like kind of like was like, oh, wait, hold on. There's there's more books. <laughs> there's more, more books I need to start reading. Uh, it's Matthew Herman. Hello. It's uh, th- thank you so much for having me on the show, Jesse. Thank you. Sorry for such a chaotic uh, opening. I don't know how I mistyped that in- entire <laughs> opening paragraph. Uh, I guess it's Friday energy because I'm like, oh, for <laughs> sure. I mean, it's fine. I you're talking to somebody who is. Uh, I mean, I live and die by my editors, so yeah, I'm always typing bad or incorrect things and needing to fix it later. It's we're on the same page. I think once you become a writer, uh, you realize how accurate the depiction of Lois Lane not being able to have a spell <laughs> um, or like do punctuation or anything like that and how much Perry has to edit Lois. <laughs> that's, that's everybody. That's, <laughs> that's just it's, anybody. It's really accurate. It's it's like people expect me to have like perfect diction and have all like know all the words, but I make shit up all the time and I'm terrible with my punctuation and grammar. So yeah, it's, it's just like that's... you're like, the idea or the, like the the thought is so big in your head that you just get it out and you're kind of just spitting onto the page for sure um so hi how's it going what's thanks for having me on um uh uh i'm i'm just, how how are you doing i'm, I'm doing good uh, it's very rare that people actually ask me how i'm doing uh it's been it's been a interesting week uh I, I this is my third podcast i've recorded this week damn and yeah I, I got uh scheduled up a bit and like uh last night the i had the pleasure of going to see evil dead in theaters and, oh uh, that's so fun it was uh, the first one the first one yeah and i had a little intro by bruce and it's just like it's just that movie so that's like there's there's big issues with that movie um for but, sure it's not a perfect movie but it's it's made with so much love yeah and, it, and they're just so young you knowing they're so young with so much passion in that movie yeah, yeah um, uh, weird little factoid that i know about that movie the, the cohen brothers were the editors or the yeah think, joel yeah. was an editor i believe for that and then because the next movie they so make weird. uh joel and ethan like co-write the next movie that sam raby makes what was the next movie? That um, it was it's that? it's Crime Wave. It's not a good movie, from my understanding. Oh. But I don't know if that's their fault or the studio's fault, really. That is actually very interesting. I do a Tuesday movie night with a bunch of my friends, and I've never heard of that movie, so that might be on my list of yeah it, it, weird weird things to watch that you know maybe I, I guess, not even knew existed. I guess Sam Raimi like wanted to make a serious movie, kind of after Evil Dead, and he For realized sure. he realized he couldn't write a serious movie. <laughs> um and so like joel's like hey well, no, my I know brother like yeah he's like hey, my brother writes scripts like here's our script of blood simple which they, like, they hadn't made yet far as i understood um and that he was just blown right. away well yeah i mean they're the cohen brothers they're yeah i can't like they're incredible so anything that they write it just seems like impossible to not be good yeah um yeah, well, I like I want. I mentioned it. Like you wrote "Which Blood" uh, for Vault and "Good Luck for Boom," and I want to talk about those a lot. But before Thank that, you. what is what is your like origin point in comics? Like, where did you start reading? When did you decide like this is what I'm going to do? I want to write these books. Yeah, so I mean, I, I probably have. I, I don't know if it's a different. Maybe it's a less standard entry into this whole industry and being a a. a participant both in the creation of comics and somebody who 
uh, intakes, you know, I, 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 I also consume. So, mm -hmm. um, but I, I started out probably, I mean, honestly, if, if we're going back to when I first got a comic book, I was like really young. And I remember what it was. There's a shop in where I'm from in Dayton, Ohio called Mavericks. And uh, they used to just, you know, it's a comic shop in the 90s. They had stuff for kids. They'd have Teenage Mutant Nerdles, uh, Turtles come in and like all sorts of stuff. And I remember walking in and I think I was there to meet one of the Ninja Turtles or something. And I picked up a Spider-Ham comic. And that was the first one. I don't know which number it was. I don't know anything about it. But I just know that Spider, the parody Spider-Man, Spider-Ham comic was the first one I ever picked up. But you know, your kid and uh, things, interests come and go pretty much willy nilly. Mm -hmm. And I don't really remember getting back into comics until probably my early 20s, like 1920. And that's, that's really when I started to consider and read and like be aware of graphic novels. I think that was like, when I first heard that as a, as a thing, you know, it's, it's just something you don't really consider existing if you're not always, you know, picking up floppies or something. So um, I think it was probably Charles Burns' Black Hole. Uh, I, uh, I read um, some other top shelf books, uh, the, the publisher. Mm -hmm. um, they put out a majority of like graphic novels and stuff. And uh, uh, what was the other? Fantagraphics was another, uh, Charles Burns stuff and, but yeah. I'd say that's probably about when I got in to reading and started to be interested in that stuff. And then I finally got around to probably a couple of years after that, checking out the Scott Snyder's new 52 run on Batman. And I think that's when it really started to click where I saw someone doing something in the mainstream that I understood mm -hmm. and could see it being done. And I like, and I've, and I've been, and I, at this point I'd been a writer for, or a struggling writer for, you know, 10 years now. And so I, I finally started to see some of myself in the medium. And I think prior to that, I hadn't seen that. And that's when I started to get interested in doing it. And um, my, my, at the time girlfriend and now my wife, Lisa Sterl is, uh, she's an artist. She went to art school here in Columbus and um, she's always loved comics. She's been a much, much bigger fan of comics than I was. I think she probably introduced me into a lot of things that I wasn't aware of. And I just started to write comics for her. And uh, really early on, we, we did some stuff that got published in a literary journal and like real early, just comics that just to see what the medium like could do for us and how to tell stories. And then after a while, you know, that's when we started to really consider it as a, you know, a way to put out the stories we want to tell in the artwork. And that's when Long Lost started to come about. And then kind of from there, it just really went fast, you know, Long Lost, uh, we put together that pitch probably and took about a year to really figure out what the hell we were doing. And then, and then Scout picked it up. And then basically from 2017 to now I've been uh, writing comics and, and, uh, trying to get published by publishers and, and doing the whole, uh, song and dance. So it, it happened really fast. It was like a light switch that got flipped. And then all of a sudden I was in comic book stores and I was pitching to boom and, and, and stuff. It, it, it's so, it's happened so fast and crazy. It was wild. It, it's so exciting to hear stuff like that, especially as someone who wants to write comics one day or, just write something that someone's interested in one day it's for like sure. the, the idea that like you can struggle for so long and then eventually it just kind of clicks and oh, then for, and then you, you bring it to someone else and they're like oh yeah that clicks for me too and like and then it kind of just cascades into this big thing and like hearing that and it leading to what witch blood and good luck are right now is kind of just, just so fascinating and you talking also about snyder too like I think Scott Snyder, uh, as a writer, had, especially during Batman, had a really cool knack for getting really big ideas. Yeah. But also bringing them to a level that anybody can kind of approach them. Well, yeah. And it, 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 it like, I, I remember I, so I had read House of Leaves by Daniel Z. L. Daniel Lewski, or whatever mm -hmm. his name is. Um, great book. If, if you haven't read it, 
uh, you should definitely read it. It's, it's on my to read shelf currently right now. And I, well, yeah. So I was familiar with that book and then I picked up Scott Snyder's like night court of owls or something. Mm-hmm. And it, it actually does a, a very similar, really interesting thing where it starts to make you manipulate the book so that you can keep go like continue with the story and house of leaves does that as well where you're like twisting the book upside down and reading like passages in the corner that have nothing to, it's very strange and mm-hmm. when i saw that like not necessarily one to one but when i saw that someone could take such a high concept from like the quote unquote literary high art uh, uh, educated collegiate schools of writing like novels and apply those same storytelling techniques, that same level of creativity to tell a story in a comic book got me really excited. Yeah. And I, I, th- I think that's when it really clicked. So I was just like, I, I finally saw, and, it, and, and you know, it's on me. It's not like, you know, it finally happened, but I finally, it took that for me to finally see the, the, the potential for telling a story in comics that, that, that I had. And that my stories could be comics. I think that yeah. was really, I think that was the jump where it was just like, you know, I was writing short stories and, uh, and, and I, you know, I was struggling poetry, short stories, trying to get published. And it always felt like the stuff that I was producing wasn't finding the right audience or finding the right person to read it. I, I knew that I had something. I knew that my stuff was, I knew that my stuff wasn't bad. And I think that's the thing. I think that's the, 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 the really important thing is I knew that I wasn't a bad writer. Mm-hmm. And once you know that, and once you're like confident that I'm producing, you know, unique, uh, my stuff, my idea of what a story should be in it. And it, it all, and it fits the level of a professional writer. It's a professional level quality. And if you're not finding that audience, you know, you get real discouraged and, 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 the, and, yeah, comics kind of came in and saved it for me. I, I think that's, it, it really clicked. I, I love that Court of Owls issue is the one that you point out because that, that, the story behind that, knowing some of the, like hearing Scott talk about some of the behind the scenes of that particular issue itself is uh, always fun too as a writer because he was so confident it was going to work and and Greg was so confident it wasn't going to work. <laughs> And then they got the printed cut. Co- he got the, like the commissions and he was up, he was freaking out. Cause he's like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> it's like, you no know, one's going to get this. It, it works so well. And it's, it's, that's a really funny thing because that happens so frequently. I often think that when I'm writing a, a, a script for my artist, that I, there's no way this is going to be, this is, there's no possible way this is going to work. Mm-hmm. I'm always coming out of a script thinking that there's no way that you can draw this. Like, it can't be like, I've written a bad script. And whenever I get art back from Stefano or Lisa and I see that it is possible and that, you know, there is this other person that's like really, you know, the other side of it. It's like, you can't have just a comic script. And I think that's always the thing that I, I, I have to remind myself when I'm doing this is like, it, it, it's, it's both those things. And once you get the final back, it's like, it all clicks. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite part is getting to see like all of it compiled and uh, with the letters and everything, because then it, it, it's, it, it makes sense all of a sudden. Uh, let's talk about Witchblood real fast. Like let's start with yeah. there. Um, for anybody who's listening, uh, the basic premise of Witchblood without giving too much away is witches versus vampires. Uh, that's like, yeah, and kind of set it in the backdrop of like, those and, and this might sound silly but that's what i kind of imagine when i when i read it it's like the, those early early like fun scooby-doo straight to video movies like return to zombie island or the the, the season of the witch one okay or, yeah or, or anything like that it just has that vibe of like the mystery machine gang is going to be like right around the corner at any point <laughs> <laughs> no you're that's a really that's that is an excellent no one's pointed that out. And I think that you've tapped into something that I am, that I really am inspired by pro- probably unconsciously. And I, I'm bringing this up, but I really love the Venture Brothers. And yeah, what you just exactly. said reminded me a lot of the Venture Brothers. And, I, and I'm, starting to, uh, I'm starting to see similarities between those things. That's really cool. Yeah, and, I never thought I, I of think, it like that. I, I think it's the dialogue and the art mixed in together that really nails it because the the 
Lisa's uh, uh, art and uh, Gab's colors on the book itself give it that like early that late 90s early 2000s animation style oh for sure yeah and, and then your dialogue everybody's so even the worst people in the book are so <laughs> playful <laughs> that the stakes like are serious but they also feel like saturday morning stakes at the same time that's, that's and, and, cool. thank you it, yeah it really just reminds me like watching like as a kid watching that that first zombie island thing and when they actually turn out to be zombies you're like well hold on wait a second <laughs> Um, but I, I love the the high concepts being played in which one, especially in like um, is issue six or five that just uh, was the last one to come out. Um, issue six was the last one to come out. Issue seven comes out in a couple days. Yeah, so like the the concepts playing around in issue six and how issue six ends too is like that's not where we started. We didn't start anywhere near here. No, yeah, and, and you take such a a wide drift kind of to get to this point but every pay every uh issue is just the natural escalation to this and when i finally was rereading it this uh, second time and i got to the the issue six i was like well hold on the beginning of this book was her just riding her motorcycle to a bar or a diner uh just like wanting to talk to someone about something and all of a sudden this now now we're dealing with like gods <laughs> I, yeah, no, I, um, that's always been the intention. It's been, you know, even crazier. It was originally like, and I'm grateful for Vault and, and Adrian, the editor, because they've really helped make this book uh, really my vision. But the original draft of this story, I think issue six was probably where we started. And um, it took a lot of, it took a lot of scripts and it took a lot of work with Lisa and Adrian to finally figure out that you don't, you can't start here because mm -hmm. no one's going to understand anything about this world. And you have to be very gradual in the reveals of these things that people like it's, it's a, it's a, it, Adrian has said it best. It's a, we're, we're creating a new mythology for things mm -hmm. that already have a mythology. And, um, it takes uh, it takes some time to convince people that or 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 to let people in on the 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 joke kind of not the joke but the what we're doing can't yeah. play your hand all all up front yeah well exactly like playing your hand with a uh, with issue one like you're not even like giving them any vibe of like what's to come it feels like and like not that it's a bad thing because the, the, yeah. the you make the characters and like them and their dialogue and the action stand so far apart from what the main plot is at the time that it hooks you in just based off that and you don't have, you don't even like reading that first issue you don't even care what the main point of this book is because you haven't presented it really yet no the um, I, I i think that's i mean i think that is where i i think a lot of people aren't expecting that kind of storytelling in mm -hmm. serialized comic books um, I think people expect an issue one to have all of the answers. Like it gives you all of the questions and it gives you all of the answers. So you, and it sets you on your paths and you kind of know basically where you're going. And the thing that I really love about serialized comic books is that you can do this. You can mm -hmm. start somewhere and not, you don't have to give the reader the, the hints. You don't have to like show your hand you can keep it all close to the chest and still tell a really cool story. Still tell something that, that you want to tell. And, and with a focus on trying to consistently surprise the reader in ways that they weren't expecting to subvert the expectations. I know that's probably said a lot, but I really try to think about the reader experience and how surprised you can be, how, how much enjoyment and how much enjoyment you get out of being surprised. Yeah. And, and the, just to compare it to good luck is like good luck from the first issue kind of lays it all on the table yes. and like throws you kind of into the furnace and it works for good luck where I, I don't think it would have worked for which, but because even though good luck's playing with a lot of the same, a lot of concepts that we're familiar with, mm -hmm. you've already, you established them so quickly as something so vastly different than you've ever seen yeah. before or which, but you just, you can't you can't no, yeah you, it's like you can't reestablish that is. so quickly yeah. we need like the definition needs to slowly change in witch blood whereas you know and also good luck had the kind of the the restriction of 
time too, I knew that it was only going to be five issues. So, and I think that was maybe a curse and a, a benefit in a little bit because I, I, I knew I needed to get everything, all of the exposition out somehow. And I, I think there, there is something where, you know, that issue one of good luck is something that's been on my mind since it came out. I don't know if I was, it's like entirely successful in what I wanted to do, but it's, uh, it's, it's a lot. It's certainly a lot. I'll, I, I think that's the thing that I think about with good luck. Number one is that see, it's, 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 it, you're absolutely right. It, it really dumps you into the fire and expects you to kind of figure out what the hell you're doing with this story. It, <laughs> but it, I, yeah, I think good luck. I mean, so issue five comes out at the end of the month and I, and I think issue five is weirdly enough, kind of the, the crowning, the, the cherry on top of the series. I think issue five makes everything make sense, mm -hmm. which again is a terrible way to write comics because you want everything to make sense from the beginning so that people are on board. Yeah. Whereas, <laughs> it's really, I mean, I don't know how, it's, it's really funny. I, uh, I think about this a lot, the, the, the format of serialization and, and serialized comics, because you want people to be on board at the, at the front of it, but sometimes that doesn't work for a story. Sometimes you need a little mystery. Sometimes you need a little tension to like, to get things going. I don't know. Yeah, there's a weird debate, I think, with authors um, or anybody that writes the, the plot, the narrative, because not, not everybody is an author that's writing a plot, though. Sometimes you are an artist writing a plot yourself and stuff. And, and, yeah. and, but in my, in my mind, you're an author that way. Um, but there is, some, there is a give and take that you have to eventually kind of place your, your bets on when it comes yeah. to a story, especially a story that has like twists and turns, where you're like, if I give it away in the first issue is the journey to, for everybody else to figure it out in the comic itself or in the story itself, good enough that the reader will continue. And I, and I think about um, one of the best examples off the top of my head is horns by Joe Hill. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's spoilers for horns. So it's, it's a pretty old book at this point, but it's spoilers for horns. Like I, I want to say like 50 pages into that book, you know who the killer is. Uh, yeah. like joe joe does not hide it for very long but the journey for the main character to get rid get rid like revenge on that killer is so engrossing that once you know who the killer is you're like on your edge of your seat waiting for the for you now to figure or for the for the main characters to figure it out right that's um, yeah no uh 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 what is that called um narrative i no, something irony uh, I forget the, the I'm a writer. I'm so bad. I forget ah, the, same, same here. Uh, what is, I, I know I, the concept. I don't know the words for the concepts. I'll look it up later, but it's a specific kind of irony in which the readers are clued in on something mm -hmm. and the, the, the actual characters aren't. Um, that, no, yeah, that's, that's, that's really cool. And, 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 but you also like, if you don't do that, if you hold that twist and you're like, okay, I'm going to just sit, I'm going to let them be confused and we'll get to the twist at the end or get to the twist near the end you then place the bet of like, will they be satisfied with that twist to not regret reading how many issues or how many chapters? Dramatic irony, dramatic yeah. irony, also known as tragic irony. Yes, sorry, had to, had to get that. Uh, oh yeah, no in. problem. <laughs> had to get that in. But I, I think that's like a good struggle to have is like the, those kind of bets you have to play when it comes to the twists and turns and oh your yeah narrative. for sure I, and and i think you eventually kind of like feel out if you have a good enough twist to play a bet on one end or the other yeah the twist in witch blood in issue four was like like we had no idea how that was going to go over um uh and and i that's that's the one where you kind of yona spills the details on what mm -hmm. as esme is and like the the, the specifications of what's going on and it takes it from a, a witch versus a vampire story into something that I like doing a lot, which is like making it more, not necessarily cosmic because I think that's a overplayed term, but making it bigger. I like, I, I, I like when I can try to define things and try to seek out the definitions of like, you know, what is magic? How does this work? And from those questions, you can kind of start to develop a, a different kind of 
answer for those things and 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 uh your story gets bigger because of it and that that for Witchblood was really really fun is Witchblood your second published comic no uh Witchblood is maybe my fifth or sixth I was about because like the way you brought it up originally is like if is, if Witchblood is the second published book having Vault as your second like publisher would be so wild uh yeah no well Vault technically is my second creator owned so i went from so long lost was at scout comics mm-hmm. and then from scout from long lost i did care bears and dark crystal and power rangers and then from that uh after those things i did terminal punks with mad cave and then after those were released witch blood finally came out with vault um and along with and then good luck at boom studios so these are my first these are my second and third creator-owned series after Long Lost. I took a break in the middle doing work for higher stuff. Working with Vault, like this is a company that I think a lot of into, like uh, comic readers who are into independent books realize that like Vault's kind of a one of those special publishers now where almost every book that comes through Vault, like you don't have to think about it too hard. You just add it to your saver. <laughs> you just, yeah, like, no, it's, it's, you, there, it's, it's, it's a really easy yes, almost yeah. always. And like, even if the concept seems really high, you trust that they're going to nail it no matter what. So seeing which blood come through, I'm like, I, it, this was a, I think I just, I, I saw someone retweet you and then I saw it was a vault and I, and I, I saw the cover and the, the colors of the cover and the designs of the cover. I'm like, oh, this is the easiest yes I ever, I ever <laughs> said you. to. Uh, and so like, how, how is it like working at, not about at, but like having your book through vault currently? It's great. I think um, Adrian and Damien, the the Wassel brothers, uh, they they really are trying to put stuff out there that has not been tapped yet. And I, I talk to Adrian a lot about ideas and, and and stories. And I actually have another book coming out with Vault next year called Bonding um, that that was released a while ago. It's it's gone through some some iterations, but. Uh, so I've worked with Vault twice now, and I think the thing that I really like about them and, and why I think they're special is that they, they really see genre and its potential to transcend itself. Mm-hmm. And without being preachy or pretentious or like overbearing, I think like Vault really reminds me of like, if we're thinking like not necessarily one-to-one like parallels but uh the film studio a24 yeah um it feels like if a24 like embraced genre a little bit more Mm -hmm. and they understood that there's 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 quality in and and there can be uh 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 value in embracing the inherent fun of stories and i think that's what i like about vault is that you know, even if they're telling something really serious, even if they're telling something like us that's that's really wacky and colorful, they really try to understand the appeal of the genre. You know, a horror story is supposed to be, at the end of the day, scary. And I think that means a lot of things to a lot of different people. And I think the thing that is really special about Vault is they make it mean something to themselves and because they're fans of these genres, you know, they love sci-fi, they love horror, they love uh, weird, you know, f- neo-Western fantasy books like ours. Like that, pr- and, and, and the cool thing is that, you know, when I first pitched this and when I first pitched Bonding too, to, to Vault, they saw through the pitch and realized like, oh, Witchblood isn't, a horror story. It's not a vampire and witches story. It's a fantasy story. It's mm-hmm. like as fantasy as Lord of the Rings fantasy. It's like, like they, Adrian was the first person to, for that to, for that to click. And um, that was really exciting. And I really love that. And, and the same for bonding, you know, when I pitched in this, you know, romantic comedy horror about slugs living on your chest and drinking your blood he saw past the the pitch and 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 saw it for what it was, and I, I think Adrian has a real knack for that, and I I I'm forever grateful for his ability to do that and 
to do it with my stories. I, I want to switch over now to good luck because I think, uh, I think which blood kind of sells itself in a lot of ways, not saying like people like you should listen to what we talked about with which one, like it's, very, it's a very, very good book, <laughs> Thank um, you. but good luck. I felt, uh, I was already reading which blood when you started talking about good luck. So I, I was like, Oh, I like which, but I'm just going to get good luck. Um, I, I tend to follow writers a lot. <laughs> it, we, uh, thank you. We we appreciate it. Yeah, and, but when I first read Good Luck, I I my brain my brain kind of racked around a bit, uh, and with this reread it, it racked around less, but it's still it's still spinning a bit. For sure, there's and, a lot in Good Luck, and I'm, I'm yeah, happy to but, hopefully clarify. <laughs> but it, actually, like it's not less about like being confused or reading Good Luck, but more like how does one take such a like metaphysical kind of concept like that yeah like where where do where do you matthew like sit down and go you know good luck and bad luck what if, what if they were beings <laughs> like yeah if- i i mean spoilers i you know i'm always in my head i'm always thinking i'm always trying to you know come up with not necessarily even new stories but it just i allow myself to be really open to any kind of weird idea that I have. And sometimes the really weird ones are the ones that get written down in my phone. And, mm-hmm. and those are the ones that end up being comic books. And good luck was one of those. I just had a weird, I was sitting on the couch one day. I, I don't even remember what we were watching, but I just had a, it just like, it, there was just an idea that, that just came in and it felt, it felt more important than a lot of the other ideas. And so I wrote it down and that ended up being good luck. And, it took a lot, I mean, and, and from that just simple idea of like, you know, what if good luck and bad luck touched, which is the whole genesis of the book. Like that was the whole idea that I, 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 I that was the original thought that I had. Like what if good luck and bad luck, like just physically touched. And it, then probably about a year of figuring out what the hell that idea meant and boom, came in and and helped me with that so it it, it wasn't a solo effort but uh there was a lot that went into the initial creation of this idea if that makes sense and stefano like does such a really fun job with the art in it too and to give all the the characters uh an animation vibe to it that I think works with the, the story. I, that, that's the thing I, I don't hit upon enough kind of with uh, talking to creators and stuff, how much the art really, really like oh, impacts yeah. and matters I, I think, with the words. I think good luck, it like literally sits on the, the, the shoulders of the art. I think the, 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 I think the book doesn't work and the idea doesn't work without Stefano and his kinetic drawings and illustrations and art making it real. I, I, it's such a, and that's the thing with comics too. It's so collaborative in that, like, I don't think another artist, like another artist doing this book, I don't know if the story would have ended up being the story that it was because, you know, the way that Stefano draws, I inherently wanted to write a story for Stefano and, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's uh he he's done an incredible job on Good Luck. I, I I'm really 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 honored that that I got to work with him. To pitch the the listeners on Good Luck, it's basically what if you took uh uh oh, gosh what is that? I had the book all of a sudden. Uh, they only find us if we're de- when we're dead with oh, yeah, uh, yeah. with Akira. Oh, and for all, sure, yeah. And then also just just drop a little Pixar in it, just a little <laughs> bit of Pixar in it. He, he, uh, he does something really magical where it's like, it's all these, it's, it's completely unique. It's him. It's Stefano. Yeah. It's like, it's like you, you can keep adding these like different elements of what it, of other things, but it, it all, at the end of the day, it, it's just like uniquely Stefano. I, I can't, I've never seen anyone else draw like he draws. And good luck. I don't think this is spoilers talking about be careful be careful what i'm about to say it might be a little spoiler for people who haven't read it yet oh it's it, fine it, it really feels like what you're talking about it, it, the the idea was what if good luck and bad luck touched as i'm reading it and as we got to the last issue it felt very much like 
these are people trying to rescue a relationship of two people who have loved each other for a very like it feels like you it feels like a kid trying to fix his parents uh marriage before they have a divorce that's really really uh i've I ha- i've never heard that interpretation that's really beautiful uh thank you it's just the way that good luck talks about bad luck and uh yeah it talks to ursa minor kind of um about why we need to do this why we need to why we need to like kind of work together here um and that's incredible no that's that that's literally the first time i've heard that and i think it's uh i think it's completely completely valid and incredible it, it hit me while i was reading the rereading it this time where when they say uh she, she doesn't believe that good luck exists anymore and like the, to have that kind of like uh and we're, ta- we're talking about, about ideas and gods and stuff when it comes to this but the thing about it is like a very personal level because i think we're most writers and you 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 might agree with this like when we write about gods or concepts like gods and stuff Mm -hmm. we're still putting such a human perspective into it for sure and and a a human mindset in it so the idea that the person that you care about or the or the person that at least understands you is gone uh, is is just devastating so when i reread that and and that line hit me that second time i was like Oh, oh! I understand why why everything's going so bad. Uh, so yeah, I, I think Good Luck, just like Witchblood, is such a special book when it comes to like the concepts that it's playing with, have never really been played with in these kind of ways before, and you you have such fun with it. Thank you. I I very really, I I think that at the heart of it is the most that you know we can do as writers is to have fun with the stories that we create. In the hopes that, you know, because writing is a form of entertainment. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, uh, at the end of the day, it's something that people do to move away from the, the, the real, you know, mm-hmm. what they're seeing with their eyes. You know, you, you don't want to look at a tree anymore. You want to look at a comic book and uh, or you want to read a story, whatever it is. And I think that there is some necessary need for, I mean, on a really cynical level, it's like, it's dopamine. It's like, I want to give people a little bit of the dopamine hit so that when they read my comics, they keep coming back to them. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, I I think that's fun. I like, I like when my stories that I participate in and that I consume also have that level of jubilance, the, the joy, like you can tell the joy of making, like, uh, I was just watching Squid Game and I can Mm -hmm. tell that this, this story came from a very jubilant place. Like this person cared a lot of, to tell this, but in a way that allowed them to have fun with it, to, mm-hmm. to, to, to be and, al- and let the story exist as you would uh, another person or something, you know, and not, not be so controlling about your vision or, or what you mean to say or what things are supposed to mean. Just, letting the story be and tell itself. And I, I think that's the, I think that's the, the kind of the secret little thing that everyone wants to get to. Hopefully that that's what I'm striving to do is, you know, every story I want it to eventually get to a point where it's telling itself and I'm, I'm just writing it down. Yeah. I think there's a, it happens way more in licensed books than it does in, I think, independent, but I, I, I feel like I've read it in independent books where you're like halfway through the story and you kind of feel like the writer themselves have, have given up. They, uh, they are either just exhausted. Uh, some editor has just messed with the story that they're trying to tell so much, or they've kind of just stopped believing in the story they're trying to tell. Um, yeah. Where where you're where you get you get depressed reading the book not because the book isn't fun or that the book is hitting on heavy issues or something because I've read very heavy books that I had fun with. For but sure, no. You same. just you you just don't have fun because you know that they're not having fun in the in the writing. And the same thing with the art too. Like you you can come across artists who are like oh you you just really wanted to get this book done and out. <laughs> For sure, I think um I think in a weird way. Uh, good luck is my story about that mm. uh, it's it, it feels like it's my it good luck feels like it's a story itself about the act of creating and being a creator and being an artist to me it uh it, it feels like a strangely enough it feels like one of my more personal stories despite how out there it is 
and I, I think that's totally true with the with the concept that you're still playing with though because you're playing with such a a personal concept for people in general with good luck and bad luck and yeah your characters are like man i just have i have terrible luck <laughs> and like as a human you're like yeah i get that i understand that and even if they are gods in this book like you get it you understand how that what that feeling is what they're fighting for within it yeah i i also you know and the other thing too is i, I think the concepts of luck and and good luck and bad luck they're so dependent on context mm-hmm. i think that was one of the hardest parts about the writing a story is needing context for those things the editors and i found that out pretty quickly that that you can't write a story about luck without the context of the circumstances because one event this is a great example that I, that I I remember trying to describe how hard it was to come up with context for, for luck to the editors. And I was like, you know, someone can get struck by lightning and if they survive, they're lucky, but if they die, they're unlucky. But at the same event, you know, you know what I mean? It's like the same yeah. thing is happening to one person, but it's the out, it's the context of the outcome that determines this like deterministic uh concept of fate or luck or whatever it is and i i think and and it's also like concept of perspective because the person that survives the lightning strike will feel unlucky for sure but everybody around them will say well you're lucky you didn't die from it it's i think that's the yeah absolutely that's i that's to me that's what luck what i've been trying to find out about luck in this in good luck is that that makes sense. <laughs> it reminds me of that really old like uh aesop's fable or whatever it is or the mother i don't know if it's like a mother or something about the the blind mice who are like trying to figure out what the animal that they're on is oh, and each one that. is like touching something else so they think oh, oh like yeah, yeah this this is this is like all but if you put it all together it's actually what it really is like that's kind of like what luck is what luck ends up being is just life but perspective changes what you think about it all for sure no that's a that's a beautifully concise way to put it. And it is kind of fun that like, if, if we, if luck, like with, with full context is just living your life, it is fun that if one side thinks the other one's gone, that means destruction. That means yeah. end of everything. Um, because you need both to kind of live. <laughs> you do. Um, so to kind of move off from the heavy stuff, I have a few like quicker questions to talk about. Absolutely. Um, one of the listeners asked, uh, I just want to know how many issues is Witchblood? Witchblood at the moment is 10 issues. Um, that will conclude the first arc of Witchblood. Sweet. And, so, then, and then there may be more after that. There may be, you know, it, it really, I mean, there's a lot of uh, circumstances. I think, mm-hmm. uh, I hope people go out and, and grab the trade when it comes out next year. And uh, we hope that it, you know, spurs enough interest. We'll do more issues if people want more issues to be done. I I, uh, I adore independent books that kind of come out as sagas. Oh, thank where, you. Yeah, we're like the um, like book one, book two type thing. Where like it literally mm-hmm. is like this is all, and you can just read this and not worry about anything. Yeah, no. But book two will come out at some point, and you can read that and not worry about anything. That's our intention: is to tell you know, it's, it's the, it's the kind of the breakdown of serialization. Mm-hmm. Comic shops get the, 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 the bit by bit bookstores will get the chunk, mm-hmm. but if there are more chunks there, you know, it's, it's really fun to do that. So yeah, hopefully there'll be a, a second arc. Um, I think if there's interest and people are buying the trade when it comes out, uh, that's definitely a possibility. Uh, another question I had is like, it's not really an end goal for our, uh, it feels like it's not an end goal for more and more writers lately, but mm-hmm. I am curious always when it comes to like the big two comparable companies or just in general licensed characters, mm-hmm. do you have someone you really want to crack at? Uh, you know, when it comes to licensed properties, um, I, I'm definitely, so I've, I've done Power Rangers, which honestly, you know, three years ago, that probably would have been my childhood answer is writing Power Rangers. And I've done that. And that was incredible. And so like, it's, it's really weird to think about that. Um, Looking forward, I, I'm really always excited about characters that 
have an open-endedness to them. I, I think the, the least fun aspect of writing intellectual property, someone else's stuff, you know, mm-hmm. I don't own Spider-Man, I don't own Batman, but the, the most fun thing about writing that stuff is when it has a level of open-endedness to where you can do things that, you know, you can, uh, the story affords you more wiggle room to kind of dance a little bit. I think uh, uh, Care Bears, another property I've written, oddly enough, uh, there wasn't a lot of wiggle room with Care Bears, you know? Mm -hmm. Grumpy Bear is pretty much always gonna be grumpy. And uh, Cheer Bear is pretty much always going to be cheerful. And there's a little bit of wiggle room, but uh, it's also a book for kids too. So it's like, yeah. Uh, but I don't know, man. I, I think, uh, you know, superheroes and, and stuff like that, because that's really what we're talking about. I'm, I'm interested in the ones that, that uh, would let me get weird with it and maybe not write the story that, everyone wants to read but maybe everyone didn't know they needed to read yeah i I totally get what you're talking about there those are that is definitely the type of books that i tend to search for it's one of those things like you want a character that has a long tail like a long history but not an overly complicated history like not one that people like expect something from it at that point well yeah i mean like you 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 write spider-man yeah the dream is you want a character that nobody gives a shit about yeah that has some loose connections that you can just it's like how much of a sand how much of your sandbox do you want already built is that that's the question i think about those dynamite properties like a lot of those feel like those type of properties where like no one's truly invested in exactly what they want but it has a, a, a wide enough like it's been around the block long enough that you have a world to play in though for sure i think yeah no i I think that's 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 the right way to put it it's like it's it's playing in worlds it's playing in sandboxes and and i would love a property in which the sandbox is basically empty and there's only sand in there and i can build basically whatever i want Um, which is why i've been doing creator owns mostly is because it it there's a level of freedom there that's that's really nice You'll bring your own sand if you have to. Exactly. Uh, I, I for one, though, I'm very excited for the Matthew Ehrman, uh, Charl- uh, Charlton uh, line of uh, DC books where it's all the Charlton <laughs> characters back in the 1930s. I would um, love that. I mean, you know, I've always loved Spider-Man. I've always loved Batman. I like the, I think I like them as fans. I don't know mm-hmm. how much I would like them as a creator. I think there is a difference. Um I love reading Spider-Man comics. I love reading Batman comics, but I don't know how much I'd like actually writing them. There's yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of pressure on those certain properties, and yeah, it, it seems really hard to escape the shadow of history. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, what kind of story do you? That I don't know. It, there, it's such a big question, but uh, hopefully one day. I'm excited that you know. I've got a lot of projects coming uh, in the future. And uh, if Marvel or DC want me to write something for them, I am, you know, interested, I guess. <laughs> I, I totally understand that you're feeling though. Cause like uh, when I started wanting to be a writer and stuff, I'm like, one day I get to write my favorite superhero. I get to write Batman. I get to write this. And like yeah. the older I get and the more into writing that I, get, I understand and in like the concepts I play with, I'm like, I would have to come up with a plot, uh, a narrative, that is so good that it stands upon these giants for sure yeah uh, you, or you, or you'll just you'll just get thrown away after that because if you don't measure up like you're never going to get another chance of these things absolutely um, uh and so like, that's why like the, the older i get I'm like well who's my favorite no one knows <laughs> superhero because those are the ones i maybe i want to write um i like so, yeah. a lot of uh I, I like a lot of bad villains 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 that um are just laughable and kind of stupid. I really like I, I really like those kind of like because you know some writer in the 60s or 70s was just like Batman's gotta fight another fucking dude. 
And it's like, we've used the Joker like 20,000. Okay, I guess he's just going to be uh, Polka Dot Man or, yeah. or whatever it is. Or just like, it's just like they, they just squirted out some terrible idea. And now this multi-million, billion-dollar company owns this stupid property, this stupid character that nobody cares about, that nobody wants. But But it's just like, those are kind of the weird ones that I like. So maybe, honestly, I'd like writing Suicide Squad. I know that's basically the whole premise of that 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 comic is that you use these uh, F-tier intellectual property characters that haven't been touched in 40 years and you make a little book about them. Uh, I Yeah, I think Suicide Squad would be really fun. Especially because you get to kill them. And that's always the fun part. It's like, I, I know that like as long as I don't have either these big names or if i use these big names they just stay alive everybody else i get to kill <laughs> yeah there there's some there's some freedom there yeah well matthews thank you so much for coming on talking with me um where can people find you on the internet to see when new issues of your book come out or just to hear your thoughts on things yeah no i'm primarily on twitter so you can follow me on twitter at matthew ehrman that's just my name and uh i have a website that's also my name.com MatthewErman.com. That's uh, where people can go to email me stuff if they want to get in contact with me more professionally. Uh, but I'm also, again, mostly on Twitter. So if uh, anyone wants to hit me up there, you can do that as well. And if anybody's like interested in these books, Matthew is very kind to usually give a nice preview of them. Oh um, yeah, I, I know when Which Blood was coming out, Matthew sent me like a preview copy of it, and like I read the first page, I'm like, no, I'm gonna wait till print. I'm gonna wait till it comes out. I'm, I'm very happy to uh, send all my comics to anyone that asks. Uh, they're not seeing, and I, you know, you just need to ask and I'll happily send you them for free. I, I do that basically whenever anyone asks. And that's just because it's really easy to find my comics online yeah. for free. And I'd rather people come to me and ask than go to some website that didn't ask and is pirating my stuff. Or if, you know, Hopefully, if I send it to you and you like it, you'll end up at a comic book store and you'll give a business your money that is, you know, struggling in COVID times or whatever. So I, I, the act of, I hope the act of giving spurs people to uh, contribute to the industry. I, I think it's a good method of uh, getting the book out there and also getting people in the, sh in the comic shops. I hope so. Um, for this show, you can find us on Twitter, us at, by meaning me, uh, on Twitter at Y Comics Pod. For Facebook, I honestly don't want to talk about Facebook anymore, so you can just search it. It's there. Um, it's also in previous episodes, so if you've listened before, you'll hear it. Um, you can email me at ycomicspodcast at gmail.com. If you have a question for a guest, want to be a guest on the show, or have a story about how compact Comics. comics impacted you uh feel free to reach out to me at all those places um if you like the show tell a friend or leave a review wherever you listen the logo is done by andy manley who you can see working on the simpsons currently and the banner is by my friend steven theme is join the restaurant by david stetsy and remember everybody captain america also punched nazis and to become captain america he had to get a shot that no one knew was going to work but we know these shots work so please get your shots yes please that's all we ask.